Today's episode is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at www.audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. Hi everyone, welcome to Adventures in Autism, episode 68. I am Megan Carranza. Thank you so much for coming to listen. If it is your first episode, welcome. So happy to have you. And if you have been listening, thank you so much for coming back and for supporting the show. Once again, I just have to say thank you so much to everyone who has been supporting the show and sending messages and emails or writing reviews, especially those reviews on Apple Podcasts, because they really help other people to find the show. But I just love hearing from you guys. And it is it's such a delight every time I hear from a listener and someone telling me that the show has been helpful for them or that it's resonating with them. That's really why I do all this. (laughs) So that means the world to me. And I am getting really close to 100 reviews on Apple Podcasts. So if you have been listening to the show and enjoying, please, I would be so appreciative if you would leave a review or even just, you know, hit that five star (laughs) for the rating. Um, Yeah, I just need a few more to get to 100, which that, like I said, it really helps other people to find the show. But today's episode, I'm really excited about. My guest today is Erin Cranston. And Erin, this is really fun because she actually was a listener who reached out to me several months back and we just connected. She was really enjoying the show and told me a little bit about her story and her journey, which is pretty unique because, first of all, she has a daughter on the spectrum, which... As we know, there are definitely far more boys diagnosed, so I love getting girl moms on the show to kind of share that perspective on things. Um, so we talk all about her her daughter, Courtney, and their journey, but the interesting thing about Erin's story is that she actually started as a special education teacher working with children with autism. So definitely a different experience for someone who is very understanding about everything when it comes to autism and then to have a child herself on the spectrum. It was really interesting to hear Erin's story. Um, and she's just very, very honest and open. So it was great to get to talk to her and we had a awesome conversation. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy listening to my conversation with Erin. Hi, Erin. Welcome to Adventures in Autism. Hi, Megan. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for for coming on the show. I'm super excited to talk with you. You and I were just kind of chatting before. I know a little bit about your story because you had reached out to me. It feels like a long time ago Mm -hmm. now. (laughs) Listen to the show and you were always like so kind and supportive, which I appreciate so much. Uh, But then I started following you and your journey. So I'm really excited to hear more today to kind of like fill in those pieces that I maybe don't know. as much about. <laughs> So if you want to kind of take us back to the beginning of your journey, and like you said, it, it didn't even necessarily start with autism. No, it did not start with uh, my daughter at all. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so I actually am a preschool teacher of children with special needs. Um, the classroom I teach is um, a structured teaching classroom. Um, which basically it's just a very structured classroom. 
um, more geared toward children with autism, but you don't necessarily have to have autism to be in the classroom. And I have been doing that now for uh, 13, 14 years. So that's where my journey started was 14 years ago as a teacher. Um, And I've always been fascinated by those on the spectrum um, and have just loved my job. Uh, So I, uh, six years ago when I had Courtney, I never even imagined that I would not just be teaching children with autism. I would have had, I would have my own daughter with autism. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, teaching is definitely where my journey started. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, so then Courtney came along. Um, she's my first. She just turned six years old this past September. Um, you know, your normal birth, you know, everything happy, everything, you know, just new parents, uh, loving, loving the whole thing. Um, she was cocky. I, at that time, wouldn't have said, okay, she's going to have autism. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um but yeah, she was colicky. Uh, so very couple rough months there. Um, then we got past that hurdle. Then we had the hurdle of uh, she had torticollis, which I don't mm-hmm. know if you're familiar with. It's it's uh, like with the, the neck muscles are like really stiff, right? Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. So her neck was really stiff. I can't remember what, what direction, but she literally, if you look back at her pictures, her head was always turned one direction. Mm-hmm. Um, so then she had the flat spot. So that we had to do the helmet. Um, mm-hmm. So again, nothing to do with autism, but it was just this bumpy road we were on with her mm-hmm. um, from the beginning. Um, but then we fixed that um, and she seemed to be developing fine. A few words, nothing much. Um, seemed very connected, very lots of eye contact, a very happy baby. Um, and I like to tell the story that I have a video of her around 15 months old um where she was standing on the top of a little play slide we have in our basement and she's singing on the top of her lungs uh let it go in (laughs) her way (laughs) Mm -hmm. um basically you could just hear the word go but you could hear the rest of the tune yeah Um, and i would say about two months later i suddenly realized we weren't hearing any words Mm. um but it like didn't because she didn't have a lot of words, it didn't really click to me then, even though, you know, autism was already my life. Um, It was more, okay, she's speech delayed, she's speech delayed. Um, You know, I have so, I have a, my closest friend at school is a speech therapist. My sister was a speech therapist. So I was kind of, you know, asking them and I was like, ah, you know, just give it time. But the further we got along and the more stories, um, I was telling my closest people to me, they're like, uh, maybe we, maybe it is time you get, it got her checked. Um, and how old was she at this point? I would say, so that was the summer before she turned two. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So she's pretty two. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Her birthday's in September. Okay. Yeah. So it was the summer. Yeah. So it was the summer. So that summer, like I was getting really, you know, um, starting to, think something was up I could tell she wasn't as connected I was pregnant with my next one um at that point um and yeah just seeing all the signs so it Mm -hmm. wasn't until so that September when she turned two 
we started getting all these behaviors um, where she basically, I described it as I what, started living through her colicky days again. Mm. She was just constantly crying. Um, mm. My mother watched her three days a week and then my in-laws watched her two days a week while I worked. And I would just get these calls in the morning. She's just not happy. Nothing's consoling her. Um, my mom would find that putting her the baby swing would work and th- she would just sit there outside that baby swing, not the little, you know, <laughs> infant swing, the baby swing outside hey, and just worse. push her. Yeah. Just push <laughs> her for an hour straight. Cause that would be yeah. the only thing that calmed her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then doctor appointment after doctor appointment. Um, and then we saw even more regression then. Like I completely lost my daughter there. Um, and then doctor appointment after doctor appointment, we finally came to the conclusion that she was just severely constipated. Hmm. Um, but that's where I really felt, felt like, okay, something is wrong. Hmm. Um, and that's when we contacted EI um, and got her some service or started getting the process of services. And so EI started, so she turned two in September, EI started in December. Okay. Yeah. Um, and then at that point, we had a newborn. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So in November, her sister was born. Um, you know, EI, we didn't have any great experience with EI. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was funny. They never really even said anything. But at that point, I'm like, I think I knew then. Okay. That, yeah. This is definitely more than just a speech delay. Um, I was very careful at that point because, uh, my husband was struggling with the idea that it could be something more than a speech delay. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of like, okay, we're just getting her the help. <laughs> but, yeah. Was um, she speech and OT or just, she speech? did. So we also, um, around September, I also, because we, re- she received PT at a clinic when she was having the, uh, torticollis. Mm-hmm. I went back to that clinic and I got her evaluated for OT and speech. Um, so we actually started that before EI. Um, oh, yeah. So that, but again, it was all right around the same time, right around September, August, September. So then did she kind of double up with services? With, with just EI? with speech. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, just being that uh, the way our babysitting was, um, I drive, I commute an hour to work. Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom is closer to my work where my in-laws are closer to my house. So mm-hmm. it was just going to be hard with services where it was easier to, ha- yeah, <laughs> it was yeah. just easier no, to I- do it. <laughs> yeah. um, uh-huh. But we went through EI, um, as you know, EI sometimes is the easiest way to get into the developmental pediatrician. Yes. Mm-hmm. So that's really why when I wasn't going to do EI, I was just going to stick with, fortunately, we, our, my husband's insurance is good. Oh, that's good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just going to stick with that. But when it was time to look into to a developmental pediatrician, they're like, you need to go through EI. I'm like, okay. Did um, EI suggest the deve- developmental pediatrician to you guys? Or were you already like, we, we are already connected to the developmental pediatrician. Gotcha. Or okay. we had See, already that's decided so- that's the route we were going. Okay. That's so interesting to me because like, I mean, it's just different with everybody Um, because I have heard that since, although for us, like that was never presented to us that like, maybe you should take him to a developmental pediatrician. 
which I, is interesting to me. Being with my background, mm-hmm. um, I was catching at, like, I was starting to feel that, but I wasn't sure that, you know, we were headed the autism route. But it was mm-hmm. finally, um, actually, I even remember, it was my husband who took her to her 18-month checkup. And that's where I was already like, okay, she's lost some skills here. Mm-hmm. And I'm so bad I never took her to that checkup because that's where they do um, the ebb chat at the, right. the office. Well, mm-hmm. I already knew. I'm like, okay, the biggest question they're going to ask is, does she respond to her name? Mm-hmm. And she didn't. Well, my mm-hmm. husband wasn't thinking, <laughs> and I love him dearly, but he said, yes, she did. So they mm-hmm. didn't catch anything then. So when it was coming to her two-year checkup, um, I, like, was ready to go in. Like, something is up. Mm-hmm. You know, she's not talking, or she was, and she isn't. Mm-hmm. And um, she isn't responding to her name and then we were getting all these behaviors because of the constipation they suggested a developmental pediatrician gotcha and then but it was a development when i called to schedule that appointment they told me you have to go through ei oh see that's interesting yeah we we did get our referral for our developmental pediatrician through our pediatrician but that was like when i had like pushed for it and we'd already gone through ei at that point because Logan was like a little over three. Mm-hmm. I had, to, I mean, I had to push for EI too. So it's just so interesting. Yeah, it is. It, yeah, yeah. We all, and you mm-hmm. and I, we should say also, we are in the same state. You're also in Illinois. Yes. Um, and I can't remember, do you work in Naperville or you live in Naperville? I live in Naperville. Okay. Yeah. That's where <laughs> yeah. You were from oh, there. <laughs> Stomping grounds. I don't live there now. Um, but it's just so, it's so funny what it, cause it's, it's sometimes I talk to people who are like, down the street and then sometimes I talk to people who are like in a different country so <laughs> though I did cool. spend I, I, I kind of passed this part of my life but I did spend several years not several a couple years living out because you're out west Elgin yes yeah I lived in Algonquin for a couple years yeah which is like yeah. just a hop skip and a jump yes yeah <laughs> so funny how how um that all that all worked out you remember when you said that I was like oh a local person <laughs> um but yeah so even in the same state you with with early intervention just it kind of seems like different different, Mm -hmm. you know experiences so okay going back to then you guys were doing you were doing private speech and ot and then you were also doing private yeah or not private yeah yeah (laughs) and then you like you said you were the one who had kind of pushed to see the developmental pediatrician so what what kind of started that journey then um, well, the good old six month wait list happened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't even, that time was just so, such a blur now. Um, all I remember. So basically at that point, like, you know, it was just the waiting game. You know, I'd sit there anytime the phone rang and saw it was the Chicago area code, you know, a Chicago number. I'm like, Oh, maybe they're calling to say I got in early. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, but uh, it took the full six months. Um, and so, yeah, in that time, it was just giving her the services we she needed. I wasn't seeing any huge improvement in anything. Um, the biggest improvement was I felt like, you know, it was even slow. Like I couldn't leave her with a therapist without her just screaming bloody murder. So mm-hmm. she was finally getting comfortable with therapists. Um, so that was nice. Um, and then we started PECs. Um, I can't, yeah, the therapist helped us get got started with PECs. But again, it was just very slow. Um, but we, she was finally getting it with f- her favorite food items. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the speech therapist helped me also get started with feeding right away because she's insanely picky. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was part of it. And then it was, uh, let's see. Um, then we had the transition meeting into our school district because mm-hmm. that has to be six months beforehand, I think. Um, and we were, had already had an appointment set. So when I went, they wanted to do the whole screening. I'm like, we already have an appointment with the developmental pediatrician. Um, this is what I'm thinking it is. You know, I, I know the process. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, you know, this is the deal. And I, you know, they asked questions about her and they even said, we're going to skip the screening. Obviously she's going to qualify. Let's just do a case study. Okay. Um, so it ended up with the way her birthday fell it all the case study or the evaluation for the school district and the appointment with developmental pediatrician were all within a couple weeks of each other. Mm. Um, so the school district actually uh, in May, no, in June, um, they met right before at the end of the school year because she'll be she was going to start in September. Mm-hmm. Um, gave her the educational diagnosis of autism. Okay. Um, I wasn't surprised. I was ready for it. Mm-hmm. Um, some people, like I know you shared how it was an emotional day for you. I felt like in some ways at that moment, it was a celebration for me because mm-hmm. someone finally helped me label it so I could help others finally believe that's what it was. Mm. So Did I was fine that people weren't like, was it like friends and family didn't really think that's what it was? Um, my family did. Mm-hmm. Um, more my husband, but by then I think he was catching on. Um, okay. and more, yeah, probably mostly my husband, but it was just more. There it is, and I think that's what he just needed to hear. I think mm-hmm. he was catching mm-hmm. on, but he just needed to hear the word. No, um, I get. It. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I think because Manny and I both were on the same page at that point when before Logan was diagnosed. But I do think it's like there's that little part of you that that still wants to believe that maybe it's not Mm -hmm. until you hear autism spectrum disorder. And then you're like, okay, there's no going back. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I actually say because I had to spend that summer or spend that time up to that point, like trying to convince that's what we were dealing with. Mm -hmm. That I think I had my like whole what's the start the grieving process yeah actually way after that I think oh. I I think I started going through it once she started preschool and or even I think last year at some point I even blogged about it like okay I think I'm finally grieving like okay. this is it <laughs> this is this yeah. is our life <laughs> well I think it's interesting I mean we'll talk about grief more later but I I feel like the the older Logan gets the more I realize that like grief is sort of an interesting thing and I, I don't I don't think that it necessarily it, it almost like comes and goes you mm-hmm. know what I mean? there's there's moments that you kind of grieve and then you get over it and I think as time goes on you get over those moments more quickly mm-hmm. but I know what you mean because I sort of had a grieving period like leading up to Logan's diagnosis because in my mind once we like were going forward with getting the diagnosis I really knew like okay this is what we were dealing with and like I said even though there was that little part of me that was like well maybe it's not mm-hmm. I I had already kind of made up my mind that's what it was mm-hmm. so I felt like I had kind of grieved that 
like way before because like you said we were on a long wait list too but then once logan was actually diagnosed i went into like just get like game game plan mode and it was like i was just trying to get services together and figure out what we were gonna do so it was like i was almost distracted and i i Mm -hmm. wasn't really grieving I did that for sure that first day like you said I was super emotional I really did Manny and I like cried all day we were just like let it all out and I think I I felt like okay that's all the grieving I need to do not time to yeah yes exactly it wasn't until like a few months later and it was over the summer because I always just feel like things fall apart for us over the summer right (laughs) yeah totally I remember having like a really tough time there for a few weeks and it was like it took me a while to realize like, oh yeah, like I think, I think I'm kind of grieving now. Cause kind of like how you just said, like I sort of settled into the fact that like, okay, this is our life and it's not changing anytime soon. And I can, you know, do everything right or, you know, mm-hmm. right. But like, this is what we're dealing with. And I mean, I feel so differently about it now. And like I said, I might have like moments of grief, but at the time it, it was, it was really hard and it felt like very it felt really really emotional and difficult so I totally can relate to that like you said kind of the delayed grief yes yes I really felt like I had the delayed and um it was almost surprising to me at first I'm like why am I suddenly emotional about this yeah. and but I think because I don't I don't think I let myself at the beginning because it was I have to get her the services and that whole you know through all my education, the earlier, the better, yeah. the earlier, the better, the earlier, the better. <laughs> yeah. Totally. I, it was like, I so don't have time to like just three then when she was diagnosed. Yes. Okay. Yes. Or right okay. before. Yeah. The summer before she turned three. Um, I think the uh, developmental pediatrician appointment. I don't know why I remember this so well, or maybe mm-hmm. others do July 1st. Um, I believe was the appointment or June 31st. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, uh, so then, yeah, that we had that summer to just kind of prepare ourselves for, you know, what preschool was going to look like. And um, so they had told us at her evaluation meeting that um, so the program she was qualified for was um, pretty much my program. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. Uh, so it wasn't even I always said it wasn't even that as I was teaching and watching her regress, I was like, not only does my, is my daughter going to qualify for special ed, lo and behold, she's going to qualify for the room that I teach. And that was yeah. kind of hard. That was, it was like, yeah, yeah. I never would have thought. Yeah. That's definitely yeah. something we can talk about it now or we can talk about it a little bit later, but that's definitely something that I, I mean, I, I, when you had first reached out to me, that really stuck out to me. Cause I, I mean, I feel like any professional, I mean, first of all, I, I give them so much credit because I think they do an amazing job. I think teachers, especially my mom's a preschool teacher. I think preschool teachers are just angels on earth. <laughs> Thank you. Know, you. A very special person teaches preschool. Like, no, you can't just find any old teacher and be like, you're going to teach preschool. Like, you really have to have a heart <laughs> for it. But then on top of that, to, to teach, you know, these, these special needs kiddos, like, I mean, that, that is just like, yeah. So I, I have the utmost respect for you, number one, <laughs> but number two, I just feel like in general, and, and even the ones who are amazing, cause we've had some amazing therapists and teachers there, there's very often, not always, but there, there can definitely be this kind of disconnect with like, okay, you're the professional and like, I want to 
respect your opinion Mm -hmm. and I want to, you know, like have a good relationship with you. But then there, there's, like I said, oftentimes, not always, but there is this part of me that's like, you realize that you're talking about my baby. Yes. Yeah. And I've, I have said that to people before. I'm like, do you understand that, that this is like my very beating heart? Mm -hmm. And, and even if they are talking about it in a somewhat sensitive way, it's, it's oftentimes for me, at least not sensitive enough. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious for you, like as, as an, you know, a, a professional, as an educator, do you, how, how did that affect you, like both as a mother and then also professionally? And it's funny that you said that even, you know, some of the teachers out there, you could almost feel that disconnect because as a teacher, I wanted to feel so connected with the parents, but I always felt that I have no clue. I don't even have kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. yes, teaching is my life. I wanted to be a teacher since I was a kid myself, but I didn't have kids. I could sit there and tell them till I'm blue in the face, you know this is how your kid is. This, this is how your child yeah. is. This is what they need. But the fact is I don't have kids. Who's to say what I know best. I mean, mm-hmm. yeah, I had years of education, but really. <laughs> so <laughs> the having, I felt pretty quickly how having a ch- my own child with autism, how it affected my teaching. It totally just changed. Like I was able to look at it all in a different way. Um, and I really feel it quickly made me a better teacher. And like you were saying, it helped to that disconnect. Like, okay, not only do I have my own kids, so I know what it's that whole, you're talking about my baby. <laughs> I now mm-hmm. understand that feeling and I'm living it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I definitely made it quite clear that first year, um, as you know, I was starting the school year off as she was starting the school year off and just had a diagnosis. So when we had our meet and greet and all the parents are sitting there, I um, went straight off the bat, you know, introduced myself and I go, I just want to let you know, I know how hard it is to sit here right now because I, yesterday, and I think it was the day before, set my daughter's meet and greet um, mm-hmm. who was just diagnosed with autism this summer. And so I get it. I, mm-hmm. you know, I get it. And I feel like it definitely helped with some of the parents knowing, okay, you do get it. <laughs> right. Uh, um, now I do wonder sometimes if by the parents of my students are sitting there. Okay. We are sick of hearing about your daughter and how you've gone through <laughs> it. This is different, but because <laughs> <laughs> I do, I will refer to it all the time. Okay. Yeah. With my daughter, I've got gone through this. So it could, you know, yeah, I get what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, but yeah, it's definitely helped in that way that, I now understand um, just what it's like at home to live it. For, you know, I always use the example. Uh, I think sometimes teachers or educators can be like, oh, we're having a hard time getting through this child for such and such reason, typical or special needs, because oh, the parents may give in easily at home. Mm-hmm. And... I may have found myself even agreeing like, Oh, if we only had our parent, the parent support, mm-hmm. but then I would always, so I'm also, um, my younger brother, um, has special needs. So I grew up as a special needs sibling. Um, oh, and there's I was, so layers to the story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, not autism, but the, yeah. Um, okay. some special needs. Okay. Um, but it, yeah, it's still similar. Um, and I always told the story like, okay, 
and to add to it, my parents had 10 kids. So, um, uh, but oh, I, I think I did. I feel like you mentioned that. Yeah. <laughs> but I remember specifically growing up, my brother would get upset. Um, he would want ice cream. He want, would want chocolate ice cream, but there was only vanilla ice cream in the house. And sure enough, it would come to the point where my parents would go out and buy um, the chocolate ice cream. And some mm-hmm. would say, why do you give it? Why? Because you also have this child you have to worry about. And this child you have to worry about. And this, you know, you have life to worry about. You have all the other. It's not just like in a classroom where it's about following a routine and sticking mm-hmm. to that routine. I mean, yeah, you have a classroom of students, but your day is about following a routine and sticking to it. It's not that yeah. easy at home. And it was when I became a parent that I even understood it more. Mm. Mm-hmm. I sometimes think I am yeah. the worst autism mom, but a pretty darn good <laughs> autism teacher. <laughs> no, I think that that is something, I mean, I think just parenting will teach you that, but especially when you have a, a, a child with special needs, it, you really do have to like pick and choose your battles. And like you said, like the chocolate ice cream, like, is that the hill you want to die on? Probably not. Yeah, you're <laughs> right. It's like... I, my, the saying I use all the time is I'm like, I have bigger fish to fry. Exactly. Like, if, Logan, if Logan wants like his 10 pieces of candy for the day, I'm like, all right, if it'll get us from, from point A to point B, that's Here's fine. your 10 pieces you know of I mean? candy. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. My little candy monster. But yeah, I think that, like I said, I think parenting in general will, will help you learn that lesson, but especially when you have a child with special needs. Um, okay. Well, I totally, I can, even though I'm, I'm not uh, a teacher, I can feel just like the passion that you have for teaching. <laughs> Amazing. Um, what I, the other thing I'm curious about too is because I feel like this is going to sound kind of woo, like woo woo, but that's, no, you're that's fine. Like, but like, I just think it's so interesting. Like the fact that you had this calling this, like, you know, calling in your heart to, to, you know, work with kids with special needs or, and you said like autism specifically mm-hmm. like kids spectrum, where do you think that came from? Because I like, I look back now at things throughout my life and I'm like, I really feel like there were like little signs that like, this was going to be my path. And I didn't necessarily realize or see them then, but like, you know, hindsight is 2020. So like, I look back at these things now and I was like, I, I feel like these were like preparing me for, mm-hmm. for this. Do you like, where do you feel? And I mean, like you said, your brother has special needs, but where do you think that passion came from? Um, I, I don't think I can. I mean, yes, the fact that my brother had special needs definitely went into it. Mm-hmm. Um, so where it actually came from, I originally went to school to be um, a regular ed teacher. That was, mm-hmm. I was going to be an elementary school teacher. That's what I wanted to do. Um, now, my my mom also was a preschool teacher, um, but but she taught the structured teaching classroom like I teach um mm-hmm. so like during my breaks or when I uh during my summers or whatever I would always go help her out in the classroom um and I specifically remember there's this one student of hers that whenever I would go help out in her classroom I always connected with him somehow I don't know why mm-hmm. but I did um and probably one of the first true connections I had with autism. I really didn't know much. I shouldn't say I didn't know much about autism before then, but I I didn't know as much about autism before then. Um, 
And then there was one specific incident. Her class went on a field trip bowling. Um, and I kind of, she just had me kind of help him out. And he sat on my lap and I was just, I, like, I felt like I felt that connection. I'm like, I am totally bonding with this little boy who has no words. One of her harder students with behaviors. And like, I fell in love with this boy and Mm -hmm. I kind of felt then I was in college already. I'm like, okay, I think I want to go in the area of special education. Um, Now the college I attended didn't have special education as one of the options, so I'm like, well, it doesn't hurt to finish the general ed degree, of course. So I had decided, I think that was my junior year. Um, actually, that may have been earlier than my junior year. But I kind of decided I was going to finish off, get my gen ed, and then, or not my, get my regular ed. Yeah, elementary, no, I got it. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I would... Uh, go into go right into getting my master's in special ed um Mm -hmm. i also uh worked with this student actually now i know more about it i was one of um a therapist for a student i was an aba therapist (laughs) for one student one child while at school um and i just did one they just signed me on to do a couple hours a week and again, I just fell in love with this boy. Um, mm-hmm. I just loved the baby steps that you could watch them take and just be like, oh, my gosh, I helped them get there. Um, mm-hmm. and it was so rewarding to me. Um, I also think I connected because school was awful for me. I struggled so hard in school. Um, was not a special ed student, but it's probably one of those that probably fell through the cracks at times. <laughs> So I mm-hmm. think I just felt like, okay, I could relate to the special ed area some because I know how hard mm-hmm. it is. Um, I had to work out, work my butt off for my C's. Um, yeah, <laughs> I, I understand yes. that. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Worked my butt off, you got a C. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So I think I, yeah, I think I just felt those connections there. Um, mm-hmm. And then, so after my two experiences, so specifically with autism, I just fell in love with that er- that area of need. Um, mm-hmm. It was not my first job. Well, I actually, I shouldn't say that. I was, a te- I was a teacher's assistant while I was getting my master's. And one of the years, I was a one-on-one aide for uh, a girl with autism. Um, and again, I just, <laughs> she was not easy, but mm-hmm. I fell in love with her. <laughs> just, mm-hmm. yes. Um, so, that you say that one of my my friends, my neighbor, she just this past year started as a, a para with a little boy at a local school over here. Um, and I talked to her like the first week of school. He, he has autism. And she was like, oh, my gosh, Megan, I am struggling. And she's like, I think about you every day because she's like, I know how different Logan is. But she's like, I because she really knew nothing like she had she'd gone to school to be a teacher, but then she had kids. So she like never ended up working in the school or if she did, it was years ago. So she was kind of like reintroduced to like this school setting, but really introduced to autism for the very first time. Mm-hmm. Like really didn't know, didn't know personally anything about autism. So like I said, the first week of school, she's like, oh, my gosh, I'm struggling. And I could see that she was struggling. And I was like, just hang in there. I'm like, I promise you, like, it's going to get better. You're going to get used to him. He's going to get mm-hmm. used to you. 
And then just this past weekend, I saw her and I was like, how are things going? And she was like, oh my gosh. She's like, there's so much better. He's doing amazing. And she, just like you're saying, she's like, I have fallen in love with him. She's like, he has just like wiggled his way into my heart. Mm -hmm. It's so amazing. And I feel like that, like a a child with autism or or any individual with autism, like they will like find those places in Mm -hmm. your heart that didn't even know existed. Mm -hmm. Very much so. Very much so. And my, you know, when I finally went and got the teaching job where I am now, but not the actual classroom I'm in, it was actually the, you know, who knows what terms they call it now, um, the BD, the behavior disorder, emotional disorder room. Um, mm-hmm. And I did that for four years. But my uh, supervisor then kind of caught on where my passion really was. And so when a job opened up in the district, she's like, Aaron, just so you know, this, uh, this teacher's leaving. So they're going to be interviewing over at that school. Do you want it? I'm like, oh, I, and I loved where I was teaching. I loved the, fa- the, the teachers I worked with. I would, you know, enjoyed my job, but I'm like, that's my passion. That's what I want to do. Why wouldn't I switch? Um, so I made the big switch and that's where I've been now for 14 years. <laughs> Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Um, okay, so then kind of going back to, like you said, Courtney was placed in a classroom very similar to yours. Uh, and she's still in preschool now, no, right? No, she's in kindergarten now. Kindergarten now, okay, sorry. Yeah. So how how is she doing in school? And like, what, what has that journey been like for her now that she's like school age? That's um, been an up and down journey. Um, yeah. I get that. Yeah, if I, <laughs> <it's> like everybody, <laughs> like uh, all of our kiddos, um, the first year went really well. Um, uh, just finally having her in a school setting, you can see how it kind of grounded her a little bit. Um, you know, and I really enjoyed the teacher. I think I struggled with the teacher at first um, because it was her first year being a teacher in that type of setting. So I was like, oh my goodness, I'm like. <laughs> Do you even know what you're getting into here? Here, yeah, I am a teacher. Here, <laughs> not that I was bragging or anything. I'm like, but I, here I am a veteran teacher, and I'm sending my daughter to this brand new one, and it, it was tough. <laughs> it was hard. Yeah, I, feel, um, I could feel that that would be scary for sure. But, Look, his preschool teacher the the first year. I don't know if it was her first year teaching, but she was like a very very green teacher, mm-hmm. and at the time, and like I. I remember thinking like, oh, wow, she seems really young and she's actually like the absolute best. Yeah. And so that's what you proved me yes. wrong very quickly. Uh, and she's amazing. We, we still were in touch with her. And we, we love her so much because, again, I, I don't think that I don't even think it's so much about like your experience. I just think it's about who you are as a person. Mm-hmm. There's a person that can like be in that position. Mm-hmm. You know, exactly. Well, and I caught on quickly how much she loved Courtney. And so once I caught on to that, I'm like, okay, you're, we like you, (laughs) we like you, we're going to get, and you're good. You know, the, (laughs) the steps were small. Um, I think like I remember still at the end of the year, getting videos of her finally imitating something as simple as clapping, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, so it was slow moving, but seeing her and her team, seeing her team get so excited for all the little steps was was very helpful. Absolutely. Um, the biggest struggle was going from her first year into the second year. Um, uh, we were 
it's uh what are they the february conferences we were led to believe um and, the, oh, and i know as a teacher you can't definitely tell the for sure what the placement will look like for the next year but you know i kind of asked so what do you think her placement will look like next year um and they shared with us that you know they had a full day structured program or extended day structured program <clears throat> and um at that time that's definitely what they were thinking um but not necessarily saying that's where she was at and that's exactly the program I was hoping she would be in um so I was you know okay things are going good she'll be in that program next year probably um and then her annual review was in the spring and we were talking about the placement next year and they kind of threw a curveball at us um the district was moving to an all inclusion type um uh program at the at the preschool level, meaning all kids were going to be in blended classrooms, that okay. there weren't going to be any self-contained classrooms. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it, it, I immediately, well, I was in shock there. So we left, okay, if you really think she's ready. <laughs> but then mm-hmm. when we left it, my husband and I were talking, I'm like, no, that's not where she belongs. They, they're they're doing this wrong <laughs> uh-huh. um not everyone belongs in a blended program and i full-heartedly uh-huh. felt courtney was not ready for that now yeah. what they did for kids on the spectrum um who needed it they had a full a blended extended day so what her program ended up looking like was um in the morning she was in a blended class uh-huh. um and then the typical and at-risk kids went home at 11 o'clock and the kids on this, um, who needed the extended day stayed for lunch and then had the rest of the day, which was, it was two and a half hours and two and a half hours. Mm-hmm. Um, so the rest of the day was more uh, structured. I okay. still was saying, I'm like, I'm not, what, I don't think she's ready for the full <laughs> blown yeah. 15 kids in her class. Um, Mm -hmm. setting uh, but you know we brought in an advocate we got you know definitely had some intense meetings but we had to say let's give it a try Mm -hmm. Um, we were pleasantly surprised how well she handled the bigger class but Mm -hmm. I still don't think I will still say it's not where she needed to be Mm -hmm. I think she definitely learned to tolerate it but her type of style teaching that she does best with that helps her thrive is the more ABA style, the more one-on-one, the more structured, the more, um, that, that type of style. Yeah. I like that you said she learned to tolerate it because I feel like that, that makes sense. Like even, cause I, I do think that there is, like you said, I mean, I think inclusion is amazing. I think blended classes are amazing. But like you said, that's it's not right for every kid. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes that can be kind of a hard concept to grasp because I feel like we are in this like very much like everyone should be inclusive time. Mm-hmm. I think in some ways that's true. I think yes, you know, in some ways, yes, definitely. Right. Yeah, in some ways I think that's totally true. But yeah, I, I think it really does need to be like so individual for mm-hmm. each child like what is the right placement for them and like you said not just with like what can they tolerate but what can they really thrive in exactly yeah 
And I'm glad she could tolerate it. But was she thriving? Right. And of course, we could go, you know, I even said to our advocate, I'm like, we're not going to prove that she's not thriving at home. Courtney's in, you know, 18 hours of ABA therapy, speech therapy, feeding therapy, OT, physical therapy. I'm like, of course, she's going to be making progress. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. We're not going to show that she's not making progress. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> no. or we if, if she's not we have other issues to fry because it's not just right. exactly <laughs> um, yeah but so then going into kindergarten what what was the the placement there um so they so she actually had two years of that because of her september birthday she had three oh, full right, years right. of preschool um that's good yeah we always joke because my husband actually wanted her to be born in august to get that year ahead oh (laughs) and that september 5th birthday has never been the best birthday ever (laughs) like (laughs) um those 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 six days (laughs) yeah Um, (laughs) yeah helped a ton so she had three full years so her program now is um in a self-contained classroom um Mm -hmm. and it is um a more structured they call it a structure. Uh, what's the exact term? Structured learning classroom. Um, mm-hmm. There's six kids in her class. They use a lot of the ABA style type teaching. Um, Is it the star curriculum? They don't use the star in this class. Mm-hmm. Um, this one is definitely for those, you know, for lack of a better term, are definitely lower functioning. Um, mm. They have they they do try the district is big on blending as much as they can. So um, those higher functioning are at their home schools and have programs, get resource or I, I'm not even going to explain it right. Cause Courtney's not in it, but they use the star program. Mm-hmm. Well, Logan's classroom is self-contained, mm-hmm. but they, and they, they follow it more loosely because they, they have, again it's 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 all it's actually all boys and they're all on the spectrum that's not necessarily always how it yeah works out. no I typically if I have any girls in my classroom it's usually only one <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but they do they do incorporate the star cu- curriculum like where they can mm-hmm. so he does a lot of different like worksheets and I can see like where like w- with kind of like math or with like language arts where they are incorporating that in and it's actually really cool to see because I think for the kids like they don't even necessarily realize the these kind of like worksheets that they're doing are like they 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 present them in like a really fun way Mm -hmm. they do a really good job with it which is really cool because I can see like just today he had one that was sent home and it was like different kind of shells and it was basically like like seashells so it was like counting the shells Mm -hmm. um which shells are like that and it's it's always it's interesting for me to see because I feel like you know I went to public school for how long and I don't remember all this stuff obviously mm-hmm. but when I look back on it I'm like oh I'm like I can see these are like the building blocks to you know what I mean? yeah like to where like if they're talking about yeah like or, or, or little little kind of like you said like, like language arts kind of things I'm like, I'm like I can see where this would like turn into something mm-hmm. um but the star curriculum, I know they do use a lot of like ABA principles. Yes. I yeah, I did hear. Yeah, I have heard. I'm actually was just looking into it the other day and how I could go get trained in the star curriculum for my oh, own. <laughs> it, it, I think it's great because when, when they first, when I was touring schools to figure out placement for Logan for kindergarten, that was what 
when I first heard of the Star curriculum, so I, I just kind of had done some research on it. And obviously we, you know, really believe in ABA and Logan has done so well with it. So to me, that was a major plus that mm-hmm. it was like principles of ABA. So I mean, yeah, I'd be curious to you, know, you as an educator to kind of hear your, your take on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I, I haven't approached my own, my supervisors yet. Um, but I was looking up, looking, cause I've heard so much through it about it mm-hmm. um, through the different Facebook groups and, podcast and I'm like I want to learn more because my pro my program hasn't adopted it um, okay gotcha. uh, it's very interesting yeah so how how is she doing now with kindergarten she's doing it was a very smooth transition smoother than Ooh, I good. ever expected it would be um because it is a new school new teacher um they actually had to open up um a open up the program at a new building because the other the program and the other building was full so I was like oh this is even going to be a I mean so it's a brand new teacher to the district um but yeah it was the transition went better than I thought it would be uh she she she's always loved going to school mm-hmm. um great yeah she likes you know likes the bus likes likes the routine um That's yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> breaks are hard <laughs> mm-hmm. oh my gosh are they ever yes yeah. um and yeah so she she's doing well we're seeing you know she's made a ton of progress she's a smart little cookie it's just getting it mm-hmm. out of her um she's also on a talker um yeah, you and I have talked about that yes. a little bit. She uses touch chat too, right? No, she started off with touch chat. Oh, um, okay. and then we ended up okay. switching to lamp. Okay, now I remember you yes, said that. Yes. Yeah. Um, and she's really great with lamp. Yes. Um, it ended up being a good she and she was doing really well with touch chat too. We just hit a plateau and um our private therapist was like, I think we're at a pl- plateau where it could be more the program than mm or the program and her not matching. Um, mm-hmm. So we ended up doing a meeting as a group, both the home team and the school team and doing the whole, um, the set, mm-hmm. uh, the set meeting. And we just kind of looked at what else is out there. And then we decided to try out the lamp. Um, so when you, I, you know, you have talked about how it could take up to even a year or so it was. So she started the device her first year of preschool and we switched to, that was on touch chat and we switched to lamp last year or no, her oh. second year of preschool. So okay. yeah, I mean, she, it wasn't until a full year later that we felt like we were finally on the right program. <laughs> yeah. Well, touch chat and lamp were the two that I wanted to try. Mm-hmm. And, and his speech therapist at school was just kind of more partial to touch chat. Um, and he's, he's doing well. I mean, we're still like very early mm-hmm. in the process. Um, but I'm still open to trying lamp depending on kind of where we get with this trial because I, and I had, I, we just had a meeting a couple weeks ago and I, I had kind of said that I'm like, well, you know, I'm like, I'm still open to trying it to kind of see what happens. So we, yeah, it's all kind of very up in the air now. So we'll see, but there's um, pluses and minuses to both. <laughs> yeah. And I use, you know, sure. I, I feel like I can say I'm like trilingual because I use both in my room. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because, like, you know, it's like learning a new language. So I speak English, really? I speak touch chat, and I speak lamp. <laughs> it is. Yeah. I'm impressed with that because, I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm learning more every day with it. 
Um, but that was something that I feel like I was not prepared for. So that's why I've been talking about it a lot because <laughs> I feel like there's this like secret underground world of these like AAC devices and like all this, the different programs. And I, I had been really wanting to, to get Logan started on a device. I didn't know if he was like necessarily ready for it. And so once, once his speech therapist was like, yeah, I think he's ready for it. I was so excited to just like get my hands on it. And I didn't realize everything that went mm-hmm. into it. It's there. It's a lot. I remember, I remember your podcast where you were talking about, um, how you were wishing you could have him have it before summer I'm like yeah. oh no oh no you don't <laughs> yeah no I, now like and, and I was I mean I I backed down but I was I was definitely fighting a little bit at that that meeting um knowing what I know now yeah like we we maybe could have made it happen oh you exactly yeah we would have been breaking our backs to do that so I do feel I feel like everything worked out the mm-hmm. way it was supposed do um yeah it's definitely it's it's been it's been a a a real eye-opener for me for sure um but in a good way because I feel like we are we're we're just at the beginning of kind of accessing more communication for him and I know it will just like continue to grow Mm -hmm. yeah yeah it it opens up a whole new world to them um we we started off pretty quickly with the AAC um I didn't feel like we were getting far with PECs but I think mm-hmm. again, because of my background, I was like, Pex is mm-hmm. only going to take her so far. She's right. gotten through the idea that if I give you this picture, I'll get what I want. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that I wanted, let's let's get her on that system that could grow with her more. Um, so I really pushed for it at the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. So she, I had actually started a private evaluation for an AAC just before school even started um her preschool year but we ended up the school ended up doing the avail in the end Mm. well I think for you though I mean whether she was necessarily ready or not you are so like you said like fluent in in these devices so that alone I think is such a leg up for her (laughs) but again that's where I get I ask myself I even had this discussion with her therapist, her speech therapist last night. Yeah, yesterday was Monday when he was over um, because she's at a plateau again. And mm. he was talking about, you know, the importance of modeling and me getting my hands on it. And I even said to him, and mm. he knows my background. And I said, why can I spend all day modeling at school? Yet when I come home, I don't touch her iPad or her talker nearly as much as I should. And he's like, mm-hmm. because she's your daughter. <laughs> yeah, it's you, you have like your hat on at school and you have your mom hat. Yeah, on. yeah. He's like, it's okay. That's normal. Like, no, I think back because I was a nanny for like 10 years before I had my own kids. And I was always like on the floor doing puzzles, playing with those kids. And I think about it now and I'm like, I spend like a small fraction of the time playing with my kids that I did with those kids. But it was like, that's because that was my job. I was mm-hmm. there to just be their nanny and then go home whereas here it's like you know i i'm the mom 24 7 so i yeah i'll I'll play with you for like five minutes but oh i gotta empty the dishwasher Mm -hmm. you know what i mean like just like there's always something else to do so i think as moms we always put that pressure on ourselves in one way or another but i'm sure you're doing an amazing (laughs) job and again just like i said just having you because i i'm really learning this with logan and it's it's a lot for both of us for sure it is it is it the whole stressing it's like a new language (laughs) it really it really it's it's amazing and I would 
I mean, I think that, yeah, if it's something that you are interested in for your child, I would definitely look into it, but I would just know going into it that it's going to be probably more work than you're anticipating mm-hmm. for both you and child. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Sure. Well, Erin, it has just been a delight to get to, to chat with you today and kind of hear more of your story. We, we didn't mention this yet, but you do have a blog. So do you want to share where people can connect with you and find your blog? Um, so, yes, I do have a blog, though. Um, I don't know. I feel weird saying that I'm a blogger because I'm not that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you are a blogger. <laughs> There's, you've had other bloggers on that are truly, like, amazing. <laughs> I mean, I, I think what you're doing is amazing. I don't think that like your following has anything to do with it. I really think it's just like what you're putting out there. It's more, I do it for therapy. I do yes. it for therapy. It's... But you post like pretty regularly too. Cause yes. there's some people like blogs and they're like, oh, I post like three times a year. But I mean, like for someone like you, who like you, you post pretty often. Mm-hmm. I think that, like, I love that. Oh, thank you. Um, yeah. So I have, um, I'm mostly just on Facebook, though. I was been trying to get it on Instagram more. But I think it's more starting off small and one social media at a time. So, mm-hmm. um, oh, my gosh, what is it? Um, autism, <laughs> autism mom, a little wild. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And you're that, you're that on, on Fa- Instagram. Yes, I'm right? on that on Instagram, too. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, and then what, if, if they go to that, they can find the actual blog. Yes. I, okay. my blog is hooked up with that page. Okay. Perfect. Yes. So go to Facebook, autism mom, little well. Yeah. I, I love everything that you share and you're very open and honest, which I feel like at the end of the day, that is what people connect with the most yeah. is just like that, that vulnerability and the honesty, because we, we've all been mm. in a situation. And that's kind of why, yeah, kind of why I did it. It just Suddenly, I think I joked around on Facebook one day at the beginning. Gosh, if I were to blog, this is what I would write about today. And I'm like, why don't I? Yeah, <laughs> so I, absolutely. I did. Um, and yeah, I think I do it more for therapy. And I say I, I want to be open. I'm an open mm-hmm. book. <laughs> yeah. No, I, t- I was just messaging with a mom today and talking. I was, she was saying how she doesn't really have like a community where she is. And listening to the podcast has been, you know, just really comforting for her. And I said, I'm like, it's honestly, this, it's the same thing for me because I, before I started the podcast, I, I didn't have that kind of support system of other autism parents. Like I had my, my, you know, close mm-hmm. friends and family are very supportive, but like how you said, it, it's like therapy. It definitely is. It is, it's very therapeutic to just like have these conversations and, and put all this together. And I always say, I'm like, I, I get as much out of it as anybody else does. Yes. Very much so. Totally. Well, thank you so much again for, for coming on and sharing your journey and just for, for connecting and you're always so supportive. So I just, I appreciate it so much. And thank you for having me. (laughs) Absolutely. Okay. Well, you take care. Okay. You too. Thank you, Megan. Bye. For you, the listeners of Adventures in Autism podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. I often get asked for book recommendations related to autism, and one that I always go back to is called The Out of Sync Child by Carol Kranowitz, and it was actually recommended to me by a friend who is also an OT, and I read this book years ago before Logan was even diagnosed. It's not necessarily just for autism. It also goes into like sensory processing disorder or 
ADHD, but it's just very valuable information and a really great resource that I still pull from today, even though I read it years ago. So that's a really good one. Sometimes just to get my mind off things, I also just enjoy good old chiclet. <laughs> I love anything by Emily Giffen, like something borrowed or something blue. And those are available on Audible as well. But you can pick from any of their titles. So to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism. All one word. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash adventures in autism for your free audiobook. Okay, well, I hope you enjoyed listening to my conversation with Erin. I had such a great time chatting with her. And again, it was so great to hear her perspective as somebody who had worked with autism professionally, but then to be on the other side of things as an autism parent, it's just really interesting. And it definitely is a a unique perspective on things. So that's just why I love getting all different kind of people on the show and hearing all these stories because even even ones that are different from ours they still resonate and they still connect us all so it's just really amazing so definitely check out Erin if you want to follow me you can find me on Facebook at Adventures in Autism Podcast on Instagram at Adventures in Autism Pod or you can email me at Adventures in Autism 2018 at yahoo.com Again, I love to hear from you guys. If you are interested in being a guest on the show, reach out to me. I am starting to book for 2020 right around the corner. Can't believe that. So yes, definitely reach out. Let me know if you'd like to be a guest. And again, I'm super close to 100 reviews on Apple Podcasts. So if you would be so kind to take a moment to leave a review, I would really appreciate that. Um, and then just a little preview for next week. So Adventures in Autism, I, I release the episodes on Wednesday, but next Wednesday is Christmas if you're listening to this in real time. So I didn't want to just skip a week because I'm crazy and I just want to make sure that I keep up with this every week. So I'm thinking what I'm going to do is release kind of a bonus episode on Tuesday on Christmas Eve, because I have heard from a lot of you lately, we've just been having conversations about the holidays. And I think that, you know, it's definitely different for a lot of our families. And you might have to kind of shift things to make them work a little bit better. So I just wanted to kind of have a discussion about that. And if you have anything to add, let me know. Send me a message. Email me. If there's anything that your family has had to change or kind of shift around to make the holidays work better for for you and your family, I would love to hear about it. But I think it's a really important topic and obviously very timely <laughs> as, like I said, it will be Christmas Eve. So that's all for now, but stay tuned for that next week. And until then, take care.